Hi, I'm Saida Garrett, co-writer of Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror, and you're listening to Rainbow Country with Mr. Mark Tara. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program. In 2020, they were inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame for their hit single, High School Confidential. In 2017, SOCAN, the Society of Composers, Authors, and Music Publishers, honored them with the SOCAN Classic Award, commemorating over 100,000 radio performances in Canada. Four gold, one platinum, one double platinum album. Today, on Rainbow Country, Canadian music pioneers when it comes to pushing the boundaries of sexuality and gender in music. Carol Pope, Kevin Staples, Rough Trade. Hello, my name is Conchita. And I'm Barbecue. And my name is Hardcora. And we are the Beat Girls. You're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara. Well, hello and welcome to Rainbow Country. As I like to call it, a little gay radio show working to give voice to the LGBT community and beyond. And as always, I am your tour guide through Rainbow Country. I'm producer and host, Mark Tara. By the way, Rainbow Country originates from CIUT-FM in Toronto, the sound of your city. And now proudly in syndication, on Bombshell Radio, Love Your Indie, a 24-7 streaming outlet. And real music, real ideas, real people. CKUW-FM in Winnipeg. The Juice, CJUC-FM in Whitehorse. The Mighty, CKCU-FM in Ottawa. The voice of the Halliburton Highlands, Canoe FM, Halliburton, Ontario's Cottage Country. Located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, CFCR-FM. Newfoundland's only alternative, CHMR-FM, in St. John's, Newfoundland. And the latest station to carry Rainbow Country, proudly broadcasting to Kingston, Ontario since 1922, CFRC-FM in Kingston. So whether you're listening in the Yukon, the Prairies, Ontario's Cottage Country, Southern Ontario, down to Buffalo, New York, the East Coast of Canada in Newfoundland, or online, it's because of you. Downloading, streaming, listening that has taken this little gay program and made it into a syndicated radio show and a number one LGBT podcast. So, today, the words and music of Canadian music pioneers Carol Pope and Kevin Staples, who came to prominence with their 1980s group Rough Trade and their groundbreaking hit single, High School Confidential. In Hour One, Kevin Staples and Carol Pope join me in conversation, 
And in hour two, we'll hear the full record shaking the foundations. But up first, Rainbow Country contributor, musician, and activist, Anna Goodmanis, with her take on Fairweather LGBT allyship. During times of great social upheaval, as these times are, great quotes come to mind. I woke up today thinking of the infinite wisdom of the famous James Baldwin quote, We can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. Unquote. I always return to this quote when formulating arguments against those who pretend to care about me as a queer person, but who vote for and sometimes actively support politicians who want to roll back hard-fought-for LGBTQ rights. I'm as peaceful as anybody I know, but I will call out supposed allyship when it is performative and not based in actions that support queer folks. Informed by the genius songwriters whose music I adored during my childhood years, I've always been wary of folks whose words belie their actions. One of my favorite tunes as a young girl was Smiling Faces Sometimes. This gorgeous and profound tune was written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong and covered by a group named The Undisputed Truth, and it described people whose handshake hides the snake. Another tune that educated me about the reality of human betrayal and two-facedness was Backstabbers, penned by Huff McFadden Whitehead and recorded by the OJs. Although this tune was more about a man betraying another man by trying to woo away the latter's female partner, the underlying message was that a smile can misinform. The OJs well understand the power of their music and message and are now speaking out about unauthorized use of their recordings by the current U.S. president, whose anti-blackness is well documented. Joining the OJs are several LGBTQ artists and queer-led groups, such as Elton John, Queen, and R.E.M., who speak out against use of their songs by somebody who foments anti-LGBTQ and other kinds of hatreds. I suspect that we will soon have a similar scenario in Canada, where right-wing politicians are now actively courting the LGBTQ vote even as they plot to roll back our rights. The method of some of these politicians is accurately described by Whitfield and Barrett in these lyrics. Smiling faces sometimes pretend to be your friend. Smiling faces show no traces of the evil that lurks within. And there you have it. I implore Canadian LGBTQ voters and our allies, who will probably be casting ballots in a federal election sooner rather than later, to heed those wise words. When the time comes, vote like our lives depend on it. Don't let those smiling faces fool you. Please let the undisputed truth school you. This is singer-songwriter and activist Anna Gutmanis for Rainbow Country. You can reach me at annagutmanis.com. Bill 7. To ban discrimination in employment, government services, and housing based on a person's sexual orientation was up for a vote at Queen's Park. Most NDP and Liberal MPPs supported the bill. 
But without some progressive conservative legislators backing, a divisive split could rack the province. Four PCs decided to break party ranks to vote with their conscience and support Bill 7. Cabinet Minister and MPP Dennis Timbrell did it to show solidarity for his beloved brother, the well-known drag queen Rusty Ryan. And for me, a gay politician who was not yet out, I had to take a stand. We were known as the Gang of Four. I'm former Cabinet Minister and MPP Phil Gillies. The date, December 2nd, 1986, when LGBT rights came to Ontario. Hi, I'm Garrett Conley, author of Boy Erased, a memoir. You're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara. gold albums, one platinum album, one double platinum album. Up next, pushing the boundaries of sexuality and gender in music, Canadian pioneers, Carol Pope, Kevin Staples, Rough Trade.
Staples. Hi, how are you? Very well. Nice to meet you. You too, virtually. virtually. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Pope, how are you? Hello. I'm okay. How are you? I am well. I always say this, but thank you both for being here to have your voices, your stories be heard by the LGBT community and beyond. So thank you both so much. I am, I am in awe of the two of you because I was telling Kevin Staples this, Carol Pope. I well, and you also know this, but I have your records. I literally have your vinyls for your records. <laughs> that the ones that. You pressed and you made on vinyl. Let's start Yay. here. Yay, Yay, I know. Let's start here. Hall of Fame 2020. You were both inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame for your song. High School Confidential. Congrats. Carol Pope, how does it feel to be a Hall of Famer? Um, it, well, I'm really flattered to be recognized. Um, uh, but also, I think, you know, what took so long? Um, <laughs> if I have to be honest, because um, this is a very iconic song. Why do you think it took so long? Oh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the workings of... No, I don't know. I mean, maybe people overlook that song, but, you know, I mean, I think it is one of the iconic Canadian songs. And, you know, it was, it was trendsetting in a way. <laughs> Kevin Staples, how... How do you feel being a Hall of Famer in 2020? Oh, like Carol says, it's very flattering. And um, I'm, uh, I, I think for me, it was, it's nice to get recognized for the craft of songwriting as opposed to, say, the commerce of selling records. So it was kind of, um, yes, thank you for that, because, you know, it's nice to get recognized for what you do and what you love to do as far as being a creative person in writing and songwriting has been you know everything for carol and i any thoughts on why it took so long uh, i could i know i don't i can't speculate on that i'm um i mean if a quick answer would be to say it's canada you know it takes a long time for <laughs> us to recognize our artists yeah but you know i think I also have to say that that's not why you do what you do and that that's not what you're waiting for, but it is nice once in a while to get the pat on the back. It did take 40 years, but it was worth <laughs> so, so it. Nice, nice going there. Too bad you're retired. But, uh, you know, it's still nice to be, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. It's not why you do it, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, we knew when we started, it was going to be a hard, uh, you know, a hard road. That, that we took as mm-hmm. far as what we were doing in, in a pop industry. So, yeah, it was fun. It was good. I and mean, I'm glad the song got, got what got the recognition. And it's nice to have that bit of uh, immortality, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, so can the Society of Composers, Authors, and Music Publishers in 2017, you were both you both received the SoCan Classic Award, commemorating more than a hundred thousand radio performances in Canada for the song "High School Confidential." Carol Pope, when you and Kevin Staples were writing "High School Confidential," did you have a sense that you that this song, that this track, would be different somehow? 
Uh, not really. Um, it was originally <laughs> written. We were working on uh, writing some songs for Cruising, the movie Cruising, and we submitted it to uh, Jack Nietzsche, who we were working with, and they rejected it. And then I was like, I'm going to sing this, even though, you know, I was thinking of that Mink DeVille, who was working on it, would sing it. And then I'm like, I'm going to sing it. Um, so, yeah, I had no idea. It just became, uh, you know, just people related to, uh, related to it for various reasons, yeah. either because they thought it was, oh, yeah, high school, or they're like, oh, she's singing about a woman. You know, <laughs> and Kevin Staples, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, did you have I a sense that this was a special song at all? No, and you know, and it's you know, I don't know if you ever. Have, I mean, you when you're writing, you say, "Oh, this is a really good song," mm-hmm. or "I really like the song." There but you never know what's moments. going what's going to hit, right? Yeah, but you don't know what's going to hit, and certainly high school was took us both by surprise, I think, um, but pleasant. I think a lot of it had to do with that it got bleat, to tell you the truth. That gave it a lot of traction, for sure. And that, that and then people were talking about it. And uh, the song is quite simplistic, you know, it, as, as far as a song goes, and that's always helps to make things popular. And it's colorful. It's got, it's a colorful story. Carol's always had a great, you know, um, knack for telling a colorful story with interesting twists and turns and and uh so that song has all those elements in it i think when you're writing it you just i mean i have to say i think for carol and i a lot of times when we're writing we're sort of amused by what we're saying and doing yeah we were writing we were writing for us you know we made we wanted to make us happy but in in turn that makes your audience happy because they can tell you're you're in it you know you're in it you you're not faking it. You're for real. Yeah. You're getting off on what you're singing about. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go back in time a bit because Kevin, you were just you just mentioned this. So Rough Trade was signed to True North Records. You release High School Confidential. Chum FM contacts you guys to find out if hey maybe you might consider altering a line, tweaking, maybe bleeping. A line, and the line is, it makes me cream my jeans when she comes my way. Kevin Staples, what happened? What happened? Well, I mean, they wanted to play the song. The song was obviously getting, you know, some interest. And they wanted to play it, but they didn't feel they could play it with those lyrics. And they asked, if, and they even offered to pay for it. Would we go back in the studio, re-record the vocal, and change that line? And, and we said... You know, we hummed and hawed, and we talked about it, and then Carol, we decided to, okay, we'll do it. And we went in and (laughs) tried various (laughs) ridiculous things to come up with to say, (laughs) and which we thought was amusing, but then in the end we said, you know, nobody seemed to think what we were doing was really we were amused yeah we were amused <laughs> by the alternative lines but so well, let's let's just bleep it and um you know I, i'm gonna go 40 years later and they were still asking us to do that when we got the award yeah they wanted but, to broadcast the song they wanted us to change the lyrics it's 40 years later really so, uh, this yeah time, we just told them no we'll keep it the same but you can bleep it because that's really, you know, it was just kind of an affront, really. Mm. I, yeah. I mean, even the radio station making that offer was kind of 
ridiculous. So we just put a giant, you know, in the middle of the, of the song. Yeah. Which, you know, again, you know, it's like, wow, that's just making the song even more popular. And more provocative. Happy. Like, yeah. what's she saying? What the hell is she saying? What did she say? Anyway. And, and Carol, was that commonplace back in that, back in the day for a radio station to say, hey, can you... No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, I mean, we we did that song. I don't know what happened on the Junos. Did they bleep the Junos? I can't remember. Uh, no, I don't think they did. That's national television. You know, I don't think so. And we and we actually did that before it was recorded. So that when we played that song on the Junos, that song hadn't even been recorded yet. So. Mm. And Chum FM ended up playing the bleeped out version. Yeah, they play. And then that they, takes off. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And I think they now, I mean, there was a point when they started playing it un, unbleeped when it became, I don't know, who knows. I, it was a few years later that they were okay to play it. But here, 40 years later, still asking for that. It's kind of weird. I know. Yeah, who are we? I mean... We're not like we're some rappers or, you know, it's not like we're really saying anything obscene. It's very, it's so yeah. tame. It's so, so tame. Yeah. Cream. Yeah. What is wrong with cream? Did they play that <laughs> Prince song, Cream? Um, it's the imagery, Carol. Oh, okay. It's so provocative. It, because it's about female ejaculation. That's exactly what it is. Female empowerment and female ejaculation. And what's and wrong with that? Nothing, but people can't handle that. They can't handle the idea of a woman, you know, getting off that way. Mm. So, so the the two of you started off in a folk group called O. You then became the Bullwhip Brothers. By 1973, you were rough trade. There's a sadomasochistic uh, thread here. So here's so here's the question, Kevin Staples. How did you meet Carol Pope? How did I meet Carol? I was playing. <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> oh man, I was playing with two um, crazy European guys, one a piano player and a violin player. And we decided after dropping acid many, many times that we would, we should form a band. So we needed a singer because none of us could sing. So we decided, to, somebody decided to set up auditions. And I swear to God, I don't remember anybody else but Carol. And she showed up with her guitar and her hair draped over her face. And she was uh, and proceeded to play these songs, which I just thought were amazing. And I left those two crazy European guys and said, I'm going to hang out with this person. And we got together and started writing songs. And then we lived together for a few years. And, you know, history was made. But um, I just remember thinking that when I first heard heard her sing and when I first heard the lyrics to the songs that she was writing that I thought that she was really some someone really special and um, made a big impression on me as a young impressionable acid-ridden child. <laughs> Man-child. Man-child. So Carol was there chemistry from from the get-go then? Yeah I just you know I thought Kevin was really amazing interesting person um uh was a little bit androgynous he was beautiful so all of that was appealing as well as musically yeah yeah 
Uh, yes, because we spent a lot of time talking about music and and see, seeing music, knowing to hear music. Yeah. So the songs that Rough Trade created, that you guys created, were political in nature, pushing the boundaries of sex and sexuality, even covered by some iconic celebrities, uh, music icons like Dusty Springfield, even Tim Curry, probably best known as Frankenfurter in the <laughs> iconic film Rocky Horror Picture Show, did a cover of Birds of a Feather in 1978. Springfield covering your music and and Tim Curry. Um, Tim Curry, uh, that happened through Bob Ezrin because we were friends with Bob Ezrin, mm. uh, who was producing Tim, and and it's a great version. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it is really good, um, and it was just great hanging out with him and I. Yeah, I went to see him in Amadeus because he was on Broadway in Amadeus. Um, yeah, he was just a fun, brilliant person. Um, and then Dusty, well, you know, I had I was involved with her, so that's how that happened. And she actually sings on one of our tracks with my late brother, um, The Sacred and the Profane. Um, but yeah, I mean... You know, Dusty was a brilliant artist, a very innovative artist uh, who had to go through a lot of shit to get her uh, stuff recorded the way she wanted. You know, she knew exactly what she wanted. She was very meticulous about, you know, every word, every note that she sang. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it was great to work with her. You know, her version of I Am Curious the song that she she covered from you guys reminds me of Prince. It's very Prince-esque. I love it. Well, we wrote that for her. Nobody, we just wrote that specifically for her.
great. Oh, thank you. Softcore, too. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kevin Staples, thoughts on Tim Curry covering you, Dusty Springfield covering you? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always flattering when somebody wants to perform your songs, first of all. And to have those people want to perform them, it's even better. Um, Tim was such a theatrical person. He really appreciated Carol's theatrical sense and the songs. He really, he also did grade B movie. Didn't he do grade B? Uh, I think maybe he did. Yeah. Didn't he? Or maybe I'm mistaken. But um, a German, a, that German person did. Rooms did grade B movie. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And Dusty, well, you know, Dusty's special, and she appreciated songs and songwriting, and she loved Carol, and she loved what Carol was saying. Uh, for me, that moment of being in the studio with her, and it was just the, just the two of us, was really a special moment for me, and I just, you know, it was one take. And uh, it's flattering. It's very flattering. And Nona, our work with Nona was really special, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great. I mean, you know, um, uh, they did a th- theater show here at Buddies and Bad Times years ago with six women, and um, they did all our songs, and it was just the piano and the ladies singing their song, and it was just really great to be able to hear them from that perspective because you're so used to being inside that box, and then to have that ability to look at it uh, is... Um, it's nice. It's very nice. What can I say? This is very flattering and also really gives you uh, a perspective on the writing that you didn't have before. So let's talk about opening acts. New York City, Danceteria, <laughs> REM opened up for Rough Trade. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to tackle that one? <laughs> well, I, I mean, that was Jim Farrat, right? The book was the reopening, I think, of Dance Theory. It had yeah. closed and then it reopened and Jim was running the show and Jim was a fan. Uh, R.E.M., I vaguely remember, you know, as being a good band. And um, Yeah, I don't even remember if we talked to them or anything. Um, I mean, I, I, wish, I, I wish I had. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, people ask those questions, have been, been asked this question before, and I have to say, at least for me, that I sort of was with blinders on a lot of the time with respect to our career, and kind of, unfortunately, didn't pay a lot of attention to what was going around, and so people will say, like, what was it like in this era? I, said, I don't know, I was just looking at, you know, self-centered, right? And... Uh, in a way, I kind of regret that I didn't take in a little bit more of that stuff. But uh, it was great to be playing in that that club and that reopening of that. And Jim was such a fan. It was really an exciting time. And yeah, I mean, just and Diane Brill, Diane Brill and Rudolph, who ran Danceteria, they were such larger-than-life characters, especially Diane Brill, who I'm friends with on Facebook. Um, and Jim, who I'm still, you know, I see him in New York sometimes. Um, he's still like radical. Um, cause I think he was at Stonewall. I mean, he's a really interesting character. And then he became an, a record executive at 
after Danceteria at, at Mercury. So we're talking about opening acts, and uh, we were just talking about REM opening up for opening up for Rough Trade. Talking about opening acts, Carol Pope and Kevin Staples, David Bowie, Rough Trade opened <laughs> for David Bowie back in '83. Carol Pope, talk to me about this because you you write about this in your your best selling book, Anti Diva. 
Um, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, what's his name? The, uh, the promoters. Oh, yeah. C- CPI. Con- CPI? But the, what was yeah, his guys, name? Those, uh, the family that's been, I can't remember their name. That guy. That, uh, it was that guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, but but Bowie obviously knew about us, and um, and he liked you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the first time, our first gig with him, uh, he was standing on stage watching us, um, and that's the only time I really got to talk to him. Um, and but anyway, it was just like really thrilling to be on that tour, and he was really sweet and. You know, amazing person, amazing talent, and we hung out with his band all the time because we knew them. Um, what else, Kevin? It was my honeymoon. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Marilyn and I got married on the first, and then we were playing with Bowie on the third of September in, in, in Toronto, and then we played in Winnipeg and also in Vancouver. Yeah, it was it was a thrill. It was great. Um, yeah, what I mean, we di- we didn't want it to end. It was a little like fairy tale, and we wanted to run away with the circus. You know, when they left Vancouver, they were going to Japan, I think. No, and they asked us; they wanted us to go with them to Australia and all of that, but we didn't get tour support from uh, from your record company. Uh, our, yeah, so that was very disturbing. And Why sad do you think and... they did that, Carol? The record company. Oh, I don't think they were looking at the big picture and like, you know, spending money, you know, investing in that would have been great for our career and great for them. But I I don't know. It's Canada. I'm going to just say Canada again. It's C-A-N-A-D-A. No, I think also it's, I mean, I think for the the record company, maybe, you know, they just, like Carol said, they didn't really feel that rough trade was worth investing in. We're kind of a novelty act, I guess, for them. But um, uh, it would have been fun for sure to, to complete that tour and go uh, go play, play some more dates because the audience was very receptive, at least in Canada. We had plenty of fans in the audience, so it was great. It was great to play to those. Oh, and we did tape that TV special, and I've never been able to find yes the R part of it. I mean, I've seen the Bowie part, but I... I'm trying to figure out what network that was on Prime or something. I'm not sure. Um, it doesn't exist anymore, whatever it was. Right. And I would love to find it. And the um, the bass player in, in Bowie's band was uh, Carmine, and he was uh, he was working had been working with Nona, on, and was on the records that we had done. Some you know when we were working with Nona. I met Carmine in the studio and we met him at his house or at her house. And uh, so he was already a fan too, which was nice. Thrilling. Thrilling. Yes, it was. It was great. It was a really, the band was great. It was a great band. And the band that we had was a really good band. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I still have Earl Slick's guitar pick from that I picked up from the stage because I use that to write all my music with. <laughs> still, it still works. So, so Rough Trade recorded six albums, four gold albums, one platinum, one double platinum album. 
After the group disbanded, Kevin Staples, you had a successful career creating music for for TV, for film. When you're creating music for for television, for film, when you're creating a pop song, are you approaching these things differently? Or is creating music, creating music? It just happens. So it's a bit of both. I mean, when you're... uh... It's a bit of both. The difference is that with Rough Trade, the creative process was pretty free of uh, boundaries in the sense that, you know, you could go anywhere and explore any option because you had no, uh, nobody sort of looking over your shoulder or no guidelines. And then after that, everything after that was uh, basically you're more of a craftsperson. You're, you're being hired to, to create something that fits a certain set of parameters, especially if you're like, if you're working in commercials and you're doing commercials for a product, you're in a lot of confined spaces of what you have and what they want. And you're basically providing that. So it's a little more being in a service industry, the same. And then if you're working with a film project, you might have a relationship with a director that's a little more looser and creative. And in which case, then you have some more latitude but certainly not the complete freedom that you would have obviously writing for yourself and also writing, you know, to be, you know, you have complete control over what you're doing, or at least the record company gives complete control. So there's a lot more freedom, but the process of creativity is always the same. You're just trying to mine that channel of energy and inspiration that's inside of you and get it out. But uh, the parameters are different, certainly. Long answer. It was a long answer. <laughs> it was a fantastic answer, Kevin Staples. Carol Pope, after Rough Trade disbanded, you released a number of full-length records, EPs, and singles, including a best-selling book, Anti-Diva. In, in 2020, Carol Pope, inspiration. Where do you find inspiration to create new music? Um, I'm actually, I've actually been having a hard time because of the pandemic. Um, and I'm like, should I write about the pandemic? I mean, actually Clara Venice and I've been working on a new song forever and ever. And, um, and I do mention the plague in it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I, it's like, am I going to write dark songs or am I going to do, you know, go into the light and write about, you know, getting out of this thing. So I feel that I want to do something like that instead of, you know, being my usual dark self. <laughs> well, what about resist? Resist it? Well, that was, yeah, that was more about like uh, sexual predators. Uh, uh, it, you know, it mentions Trump, but it's also about Harvey Weinstein and, you know, all those guys. I mean, I think they're all in there in the, in the video. There's a great, it's a great music video, by the way. Oh, I had nothing to do with it, but yeah, I don't even—I can't remember who did that video, but they're amazing for sure. Mm-hmm. So, it, earlier I mentioned in 2017, you both received the SoCan Classic Award, commemorating more than a hundred thousand radio performances in Canada for High School Confidential. In 2020, you both were inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame for the song High School Confidential, a Canadian classic that has, I think, truly stood the test of time. Kevin Staples, when you sit back and you think about that song, 
a Canadian classic, what what comes to mind? What do you think about the fact that you create you created this? Uh, well, that's uh, that song has such you know it has such great legs, and it's just been uh, you know it's always fun to play. It's always fun to perform. I think the biggest and it get, gets licensed a lot. It's licensed a lot. Makes some money. Yeah, makes money. One of the things that happens a lot that I that I do like is that I'll run into people, you know, people that come say, uh, you know, I was a kid when I heard that song and it really made a big difference to, uh, you know, my being comfortable with myself in a sense, or coming out, or to be knowing that there there was other options, or just kind of I don't know, kind of being an affirmation for a lot of young people, and. Um, that always makes me feel really great, although it certainly wasn't anything that I was thinking about while doing it. It is, after the fact, has been a, a big part of what made that song more meaningful to me, um, you know, aside from everything else that's happened with it. That, that seems to be something that is quite, quite often, you know, I, I'll have people tell me that, and I think that's really great, and I feel really, you know, proud of that. In fact, that's one of the things I feel most proud about Rough Trade. It's just that, you know, that we did give people that uh, freedom, I guess, to just feel that, you know, things were okay. And we were just having a lark in many ways, but the, the politics of the situation were, you know, I, when I look back on it, we, we, you know, it was a pretty strong stand that we took. And, uh, and, and a lot of people got some positive energy out of that, which was great. Doesn't it makes me not regret all the crap <laughs> that, <laughs> that you sort of tend to forget over time, and then uh, and not feel quite so frustrated by the fact that we never really attained the kind of you know uh, notoriety that we perhaps wished we had. Um, so there is a payoff there, and that song, you know, forty years later, like you say, it's still. It's I mean, the last two two times that we've recorded it in the last year, it's just sounded great. It's just really sounded, and I don't mean to say that, and like you know, I'm not being. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying it sounds good, and it's the song still has great, uh, you know, pith even today. And Carol Pope creating creating this this the song that has stood the test of time? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's anthemic, as I said before. It's, very, it's a very visual song. You can see the person walking down the corridor in the high school. I think I wrote it kind of based Creaming on... Creaming their jeans? <laughs> no, I'm like watching all... You know, I'm like, I'm a watcher. I love to watch people, and that's how I write. And I think I was partially inspired by this blonde bombshell that went to my school. And also Craig Russell also went to my school and I didn't really know what to make of Craig Russell because I'd never seen anybody like him. Um, But yeah, he went to my high school. Um, And uh, yeah. And I mean, I knew, you know, I mean, and also I was like, oh, I love, later on I was like, I, lo- I love drag queens. I mean, I was, you know, we used to go and see drag queens all the time. Um, I mean, a drag queen gave us, uh, 
one of our big breaks, Mama Cooper, Murray Cooper, uh, who used to play downstairs at the Colonial. Um, and he also had a club called Mama Cooper's in the 70s. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember, like, battling drag queens. I remember a bunch of battling Supremes. <laughs> There's, like, three sets of Supremes beating each other up. I don't know. I think all of that inspired me. Well, I have to say, this has been such, such a pleasure. It's such an honor. Like I said at the beginning, I have your vinyl. I have your records. And I was saying this to, to Kevin Staples earlier. I think that's one thing that's that's missing in in the digital age is the the ability to have something like 12 inches by 12 inches an album and to have the artwork and the inner sleeves and the artwork that you guys did for your records uh, weapons comes to mind the the imagery on that fantastic fantastic oh yeah that was general idea um you know, because they worked on most of our album covers, and uh, they're amazingly talented artists. And I think I think that art is missing in in this modern era when it comes to music and people releasing, you know, digital music, singles, MP3s, that sort of thing. But vinyl is really, really popular. No, they do sound good. Vinyl is good. It's more popular than uh, CDs right now. Scratches and all. It's real, baby. <laughs> and cassettes are really popular for some ungodly reason. <laughs> but I still, ha- I still have some. And they sound pretty... I was playing them and I was like, these don't sound that bad. <laughs> the ones that will play because they don't stand the test of time. Kevin Staples, thank you for your time. Carol Pope, thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark. It was great. Nice to meet you virtually. You're welcome.
To find out more about Carol Pope and what she's up to, carolpope.com. And to keep up to date with all things Staples, Kevin Staples, you can find him on Facebook. Hi, this is Mo Berg from The Pursuit of Happiness, and you're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara. Taking us to Hour 2 of Rainbow Country, Dusty Springfield with her cover of Rough Trades, Soft Core. My name is Joanne Vanicola, and I'm an actor and a writer, and I was first on Rainbow Country with Mark Tara on 
discussing the massacre at Pulse Club in in Orlando, um, I realized how important it was for our community to have a radio station uh, specifically for our issues to to talk about people in in the LGBTQ community and to provide a, an outlet for our stories um, to discuss. Uh, our politics, culture, and give voice to the to the issues that matter to us, and of course our artists and and um, the things that we do globally, and, and talk about culture. And without people like Mark Tara uh, providing a space for this with with a radio show like this, then uh, we wouldn't have that voice. So support, tune in. Thank you. Hi, this is Police Constable Danielle Botno, also known as LGBT Cop, and you're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Terra. This is hour two of Rainbow Country, and in this hour... Even more music from Rough Trade. We'll hear the full record, Shaking the Foundations, the fourth studio album from Rough Trade, recorded in 1982. Spent 21 weeks on the charts, peaking at number one on the Canadian RPM CanCon Albums chart. But at first, a three-song Carol Pope solo set.
When did it all get so godforsaken? Could the world be more twisted? Could the world be more ballistic? Dress it up, pimp it out. The truth hangs out like a hustler. Protect and defend, am I under your blue? 
This is not a test. Before that, resist it. And starting off that three song Carol Pope set, Francis Bacon from the EP Music for Lesbians. Up next, side A from Rough Trade's gold selling album, Shaking the Foundations.
Just heard the A side from the 1982 gold-selling album "Shaking the Foundations." We just heard "Numero Fatale." Before that, "Vertigo," the title track from the record "Shaking the Foundations," "Endless Night," and starting off side A, "Crimes of Passion." Up next, side B of "Shaking the Foundations."
Side B of the goal-selling record, Shaking the Foundations, from 1982. In that set, we heard Beg for It, Fire Down Below, Kiss Me Deadly, I Want to Live, America, Bad and Beautiful. To find out more about Carol Pope and what she's up to, Carol Pope. And to keep up to date with all things Staples, Kevin Staples, you can find him on Facebook. Up next, Orson Welles once called her the most exciting woman in the world. Eartha Kitt, where is my man?
Where is my man? Don't forget to keep up to date with all things country, rainbow country. Follow me on socials at Mark Tara Music. Do you have a guest suggestion? Maybe a show topic? Send me an email, mark at marktara.com. The podcast for Rainbow Country is available on all major platforms. The official Rainbow Country playlist is out on Spotify. And everything is hooked up at marktara.com. Finally, I want to take this time to thank you for taking your time to be with me. Remember, stay strong, stay safe. Hi, this is Emily Saliers from Indigo Girls, and you're listening to Rainbow Country. Mm.